Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's the Jenny Hatch Show at Blogging Mothers Magazine, and I am your host. Welcome to the show today. I'm thrilled to have you here. My show today is going to zero in on the fact that the New York City Police Department about a year ago got their hands on Anthony Weiner's laptop. And um, actually, it was more than a year ago because it was before the election. And they found some very disturbing things on there. Um, One of the things that Anthony had put on his laptop was a file that he called his insurance file. And there are some who believe that he collected data, videos, photos, evidence of the most heinous acts of criminality that uh, people who perhaps he wanted to extort or bribe or threaten, um, he had collected about them to provide cover for himself. That's an insurance policy. So when the New York City Police Department got their hands on these disgusting and lurid images, um, they threatened the government. They said, if you do not publish and put out this information, we will. And they were prepared to share that information with WikiLeaks. And um, I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but all of that was covered up, the the spirit cooking and Pizzagate or Pedogate scandal that was rumbling beginning on November 4th, 2016, was hushed up. The media completely covered it up. Uh, various people were threatened. Um, ben Swan, an uh, investigative journalist, disappeared for the better part of a year. David Stevens had his life turned upside down and multiple chemical attacks and, and heart attack symptoms. Um, and then various other activists and journalists were um, backed away from the story. Uh, the most notable to my mind is my, Milo Yiannopoulos, who made an announcement that he was going to discuss Pizzagate at a lecture he was given. And he was called by someone in a position of authority and told to stand down. So I still have a question. Milo, who made that call? And why did you agree to it if you cherish free speech so much? What greater good were you trying to accomplish by not talking about Pizzagate? Uh, we watched Alex Jones first talk about it very openly, and then uh, he backed away once he was threatened with a lawsuit. And then there have been a few of us who have continued to pound the story on all of our blogs and websites. Uh, Over the year 2017, I did over 70 Pizzagate reports on my blog, which are highlighted both at JennyHatch.com and at BloggingMothersMagazine.com. And then there were hundreds and perhaps even thousands of activists 
who were talking about and promoting this story in various forums on the web, on YouTube, Reddit, uh, and various blogs and chat rooms like 4chan and 8chan. And we just haven't let the story die because we believe there's something to it. We believe that there has been uh, trafficking of children, an international pedophile ring that includes some of the members of um, government and the media and what we would call the deep state, and that one of the things that they trafficked was uh, children. And so I've watched and followed this story very, very closely, as I've stated numerous times in my writings and on my various uh, presentations. I am a sexual abuse survivor, and I even had an incident where someone who had charge of me for a day or so uh, sold me to some people for uh, sexual gratification, and that was when I was three years old. And so this issue of children being exploited is very personal for me and something I feel quite passionate about exposing. So I think I'm going to use the rest of this show to talk about um, the various hashtags that have appeared now on Twitter. There is a hashtag HRC video that is really revving up this week where people are posting memes and videos and all sorts of information about a video that has been talked about now for over a year uh, involving Hillary Clinton, Huma Abedin, and uh, children. I, I haven't seen the video. I don't even know for sure that it exists. But it was interesting to me today that once that hashtag really started going, uh, all of a sudden we see some media reports talking about how easy it is to manipulate video and and there's this new science that can make anything possible in video. And, you know, the the people in the media who are watching this whole thing are right in there throwing their darts, trying to trying to confuse people. And from what I've heard about this video, um, it will be it'll be the moment when those who have honest hearts will, will realize who um, Hillary Clinton truly is. And, um, you know, I don't really have any deep desire to watch the video. I would like to think that the person who uh, is perhaps the victim in the video, maybe the, some efforts would be made to try and find this person and help them and then hold those who abuse the child accountable for their crimes. I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with that. But I would like to use the rest of this show to talk about my history because it's an important arc to my own personal story, and I have um, some things that I just want to share. I started following the Clintons very early in the 90s. I'd always been kind of a news junkie from the time I was a teenager. I would just kind of follow current events. It was just one of my hobbies. And... Um, when I was a young mom, I listened to talk radio and enjoyed watching C-SPAN every day. I would watch um, the shows that people could call in and discuss politics. And I, one of my favorite things was just to write letters to the editor about various issues in our community around education and healthcare and government. And whenever one of my letters was published, I figured it was a big score 
um, even if it created some controversy and some blowback on me, uh, which did happen several times around uh, school board issues and curriculum issues. Um, I even made a little bit of a stink about um, some change in the, changes in the Boulder Valley School District's diversity policy and um, received harassing phone calls and some angry <coughs> comments about me and my family in the media, local media. And so I started to experience just as a young mother with four little kids that, you know, you speak up about some of these issues, uh, there's, there's some blowback on you. Um, and during that time, I had a decision to make because uh, the, the hate that was shoved at me was, was so intense that I was, I was really concerned about the safety of my children. Um, but it didn't really kick in until uh, President Clinton was being impeached and it came down to a vote in the Senate and uh, my local senator came and held a bunch of town halls along the front range and um, I went and spoke at one and I was interviewed by NPR for their radio broadcast and I, in this town hall I made the statement that I believe that the Senate should confirm the impeachment of the House and that the Clintons should be sent packing and that America deserved better. And I would like to see those two in a stockade in front of the White House so that, you know, the people of America could see this is what happens to those who trample the Constitution under their feet. Um, my statement got picked up by all of the local media, the Denver newspapers, and the three major local television stations did a report on it. NPR did a national report on it. And I believe that one statement at a town hall put me on somebody's list somewhere. And we all know about the Clinton kill list. Everybody's talked about that for a long time. But I believe because I made that public statement at a town hall, identifying myself as a stay-at-home mom, a soccer mom, um, these are the very people that the Clintons were, were so effective in, um, you know, using their deceptive means to, to get them to vote for them. This is the reason why Hillary's done so well. It's these young, innocent soccer moms who don't really follow politics, who see a woman running for office and they just vote for her not knowing anything about the criminality. And so um, I just think that activity put me on a list because after that, my life changed. Um, I started to feel like there were people who were monitoring me. Um, and this is back, you know, in the late 90s. The Internet was just getting going. There was, you wouldn't even know about the term blogging or social media or YouTube. Or, none of that existed. So... Um, all of these conversations were happening in traditional media, newspapers, radio, television, and then national radio in, in this regard. Uh, there was one day I came out of my home and I saw two men sitting in a red Jeep with a notebook and a clipboard and they were writing down um, something in this, this notebook. And I lived in a neighborhood where I knew all of my neighbors. It's a very, it was a very tight townhome complex. We didn't have a lot of visitors there, and especially at that time of day, it was unusual for anybody to be in the neighborhood except me and my kids, who I was homeschooling at the time. So to see these two men sitting out my, outside my house with a clipboard, writing notes on it and looking at me and pointing at my house, 
it, it was unnerving and it, it, you know, was the beginning, I believe, of, of the blowback on me for um, standing up to the Clintons. As we all know, Clinton, Bill Clinton was not impeached. Uh, imagine what our world would be like today if those two had been held accountable for their many, many crimes up to that point and not been allowed to travel around the world these last few decades uh, setting up their Clinton Foundation and all of the evil attached to that foundation. And I have to give so much credit to all the many people in Congress who tried. There were brave souls who stood up to them, who impeached him, and we were one vote shy in the Senate of, of confirming that impeachment, and um, he, got, he got away with it. Anyway, um, I had a friend named Alvin who came up to me in church after uh, this little media blitz around my statement, and he said, you better keep your mouth shut or you might find yourself dead. And he was an older gentleman in my, in my ward who I respected he was a patriot, and he was concerned about my safety. And I just looked at him, and I, you know, thanked him for his concern. And for the next few years, I had some time to really muddle through this issue of how much am I willing to put on the line to speak what I perceive to be the truth? Was I willing to sacrifice the health, the safety, the, um, you know, sense of freedom that my family and my children especially enjoyed just so I could stand up to an evil couple like Bill and Hillary Clinton. And it was about this time that I heard the story about a Mormon missionary who had gone to South America and in traveling around the countryside, he had met up with this young family. The mother um, had two little children who had been horribly burned and he asked her, you know, was this an accident? Did they just get in the fire or what happened? And she said, no, the local government told me that if I voted, they were going to dip my children in boiling water. And I, I went and voted, and they dipped my children in boiling water. And as this missionary saw these horrifying burn scars on these children and then shared this story, I just thought, okay, enough. I am not going to live in fear of these people. I'm not going to live in fear that they're going to do anything to my children. They're going to do anything to me. I am going to speak my truth in whatever forum and in whatever way that, that presents itself now and in the future and let the chips fall where they may. Freedom is too important. We can't walk in fear. And it was also about the same time that the war in Iraq was really getting going. And I had a brother serving over there. He's an attorney. He was serving as a, a JAG attorney in the Army. And he was sending our family weekly emails about what he was seeing on the ground in Iraq. And uh, it was wanting to support him that I joined the online group Free Republic and started attending anti-war demonstrations to um, counter-demonstrate and stand up for our troops and their mission. And it was one of the war bloggers, I can't remember which one, but he told a story about what the Taliban would do to those families who were working with the Americans. And they had this uh, practice of whenever um, they wanted to terrorize a family, they would get one of their little boys and uh, kill him and, and literally put him over a fire and roast him and then feed him to his own family. This was one of their terror tactics to get them to not work with the American soldiers. And so, again, it was these types of stories of hearing what was happening in other parts of the world 
that made me find uh, a greater amount of courage in speaking out. So when the time came and I found myself setting up a blog, my own personal blog in 2005, I determined then that I was just going to speak the truth. And I had already been participating in chat rooms starting about 1996, 97. We had always had high-speed internet in our home because of my husband's job. But it was in 96, 97 that I really started participating in a lot of online forums. And um, mostly these started with those old Yahoo email groups and then, uh, you know, evolved to the various chat rooms that were associated with magazines and online publications. And then I think it was about 2003 I joined Free Republic. And then by 2005, I had been either kicked out or banned or shoved out of most of the chat rooms that I'd been participating in. And the one that was most heartbreaking was uh, Mothering Magazine. I loved that magazine. I'd read every back issue of it. Um, loved the person who started it, Peggy O'Mara. I loved, you know, being a part of that forum. But um, I was kicked out of the political chats and and banned permanently from from the chat rooms. And I, I was just heartsick over that um, because. I love talking about freedom. I love debating politics. And it felt like the, the liberals could say whatever they want, use any profanity, the most insulting, uh, grandiose type of language. And if, if we conservatives tried to stick up for ourselves or promote freedom, we were the ones who were being moderated, banned, our thread sent down the memory hole and um, as, as I was kicked out of the forum, I sent an, a message to one of the moderators and I said, you know, if we ever do get truly socialized in America, you should look for work as a thought police woman. You know, you've got the job down pat. And she, she was not amused, but I, I said that in all sincerity. They were thought police. They did not want to hear from conservatives. And nothing has changed. When I watch what's happening right now at Reddit with this huge effort to shut down the Donald. Uh, subreddit, uh, it's the same stuff. And it's what, that was 2004. We're now 2018, 14 years later, and the exact same energy, the exact same efforts are being put out to shut down conservative speech. And um, this has just got to be addressed because it's just so revolting to me that um, liberals and, and leftists can say whatever they want in whatever forum. And those of us who are on the right are constantly being censored and banned and, you know, chased out of various open forums. Be that as it may, in 2005, I started my blog, the Natural Family Blog. And the number one goal of my blog was to teach families how to wean from the socialistic systems of healthcare and education, because I really felt that our maternity care system, especially childbirth and obstetrics, was really wrecking havoc on families' lives because it was over, overpriced, uh, not helpful, and in many instances causes, caused more harm than good to mothers and their babies. And then I was really concerned about us getting fully socialized with medicine and what that would mean for all of us in terms of our health care. So I was really promoting home birth, homeschooling, cooking from scratch, uh, Hillary Clinton is completely tied to the Monsanto food 
Agra Giant, it's a multinational corporation that has just wrecked havoc on family farms and small businesses all over the world. And um, the big food of things, the big education, big medicine, all of these, all of these big multinationals uh, have really messed with people's lives. And so what I was doing was trying to give families, particularly mothers, workarounds to these socialistic and, and really communistic schemes that were set up and under the guise of, you know, crony capitalism and globalism were basically depriving all these families and, and me of, of our individual liberty and sovereignty. So I was teaching people things like how to do your own prenatal care, um, really encouraging breastfeeding, really encouraging families weaning off of all of their medications and looking for alternatives to surgery and, and moving towards holistic health. And then um, instead of eating packaged foods, you know, encouraging moms to, to get a wheat grinder and go ahead and grind your grains fresh every day and cook from scratch. And, and then, of course, with education, um, you know, especially teaching your, your own children how to read, but also um, how to do math because these two uh, portions of, of education were really being messed with and trifled with. So these are the big goals of my blog, but I also found myself blogging quite a bit about politics and the policies that were really messing with education, healthcare, and um, the food industries in our country. When Hillary Clinton ran against Barack Obama in the primary in 2007, I was actually praying that, the, that President Obama would win because I, I could not stomach the idea of the Clintons being back in power. And I still think it was a blessing that Barack Obama was president over her because I don't perceive that he's quite as evil as she is, although um, the case can be made that, you know, there was a lot of evil going on in Obama's White House, too. And is there really any difference between a Luciferian and a Satanist? I don't know. But the Clintons, it just felt like they had way more scandals tied to them. And I, at that point, I didn't know anything about, about the Obamas. So I found myself posting the famous documentary called The Clinton Chronicles on my blog. And again, no YouTube back then, but there was a, a video channel tied to Google and I would go find the Google version of Clinton Chronicles and embed it right on the front page of my blog. And then after a couple of weeks, somebody somewhere would go take it down, take down the actual video. And then I would go out and find another version of it and put it right back on my blog. And again, I think these types of activities put me on a list. Because in 2007, um, my blog was getting a ton of traffic. I had over 40,000 unique visitors a month. Most of these people were um, young progressive moms, leftists, who were looking for information on a progressive lifestyle, which includes home birth, uh, natural family living, breastfeeding, all the things that I was teaching about with homeschooling and talking about recipes and things that, that moms could do to live this lifestyle. And yet here you know, they show up to get, you know, information on how to breastfeed and here's all this conservative politics. And so I, I really think, again, I provided a threat to the status quo because I was creating a bridge 
between the two worlds. You know, the elites don't care if, if the progressives all stay in their little cubbyhole and sit around talking to each other. And the conservatives are over here at National Review talking in their little circle. What they don't want is the two sides talking together and figuring out that, yeah, there's a uniparty and they're in the club and you're not. And I'll, you could just take George Carlin's whole comedy set from there and, you know, it's a big club, you're not in it. Um, and so I really think, again, I provided this threat to Hillary Clinton's campaign because I was messing with her base. And so um, I don't know how big of an impact or threat she and her campaign felt that I provided for her potential voters. All I know is what happened to me. And during 2007 and 2008, I experienced a ton of uh, harassment in the form of gang stalking. Um, my computer was messed with and hacked again and again. If my husband hadn't been literally a firewall expert who could go in and fix my computer over and over and over again and set up protections and get rid of viruses, you know, this is his job. And so he, he just helped me over and over when um, somebody was messing with my, my computer, he'd fix it. And so that kept me going. And I believe I was poisoned a couple of times that first year. Um, I don't know that it was the Clintons who did it. I also believe that people tied to pharmaceutical companies were messing with me. But... Um, I was sick. I was really sick. And there was a leftist professor in Boulder who I think I teed off. And one time he poisoned me and my three young sons. I was walking out of a grocery store. And um, were all these people collaborating together? I don't think so. I think the left just has their tactics of how they deal with people who provide, prevent, uh, are a threat to their promotion of their stuff. And they perceived me to be a threat, and they used their tactics against me. Um, I reported some of these uh, these attacks to the local police. One time I even called the Denver FBI. Uh, I certainly talked to my husband about it. And it was when I talked to my sister, my younger sister, who had shared the same bedroom with me for 17 years. We'd grown up together. She was my best friend. And she rejected my claims. It was about then that I realized that I was pretty much on my own and, you know, nobody was going to believe me when I made these claims. So I stopped talking about the claims of being, you know, stalked and harassed by various people. And I just kept blogging. Occasionally when I was sick, I would, you know, stop for a couple of weeks or months because I was too sick to, to do it. But, uh, and some and somewhat terrorized too, but then you know after a while I just get my courage back and start in again, doing what I do, which is sharing my truth. Um, I don't want to spend too much time talking about this because at the end of the day I'm still alive. I I'm still relatively healthy. I have all of my children. I'm still married. I you know my husband's still here. He's he he really won't talk to me about this topic. There was one time when I was homesick in bed, you know, struggling to get out of bed. And he talked about how, you know, it was hard for him to see me so depressed. 
And I wanted to smack him. I'm like, I am not depressed. I am sick. I continue to be stalked and poisoned and harassed. And, you know, there's some, some people out there messing with me. And you can't see it. But to you, this looks like depression. This is not depression. This is me trying to heal from some other nasty chemical that was just thrown in my face as I'm trying to go grocery shopping. You know, I was, I was angry because he couldn't see it. But he couldn't see it. So, you know, it is what it is. It was what it was. I'm still here. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad that my husband's part of my life. But, you know, this is part of the activist dilemma is that your family and friends don't really understand why you're doing what they're do- you're doing. All they know is that your choices are making them feel very uncomfortable. And, and my children have also experienced uh, some of the illnesses that accompany these, these things. So, you know. They've experienced the, the horror. That's who I'm concerned about. That's who I care about. That's why I keep talking. When Leonard Horowitz and Sherry Kane came into my life in 2009, we linked arms and built a bridge to each other to simply talk about vaccines. I organized a protest at the Denver Capitol in 2009 on the Friday after Thanksgiving, and Len and Sherry came and were the keynote speakers for that event. And we were talking about how the H1N1 had been designed as a depopulation vaccine meant to cause spontaneous abortion miscarriage. It was designed to cause infertility in men and women. It was designed to depopulate. We knew it, and other activists knew it, but the population out there getting the shot were rolling up their sleeves, and all these moms were running into the ER dropping their babies a week, 10 days after getting the shot. Some of them had a miscarriage the same day they got the shot. It was so frustrating reading all these stories of all these people who lost their babies that year knowing that it was probably from getting that shot. So I met Len and Sherry. We, we did this, this rally, this demonstration together. And then Sherry continued to do research into the people who were messing with us the most. And what she found is a protection racket that was tied to pedophilia and child trafficking. It was all the same people. The people who had been messing with us around our vaccine activism were the same people who were messing with and setting up these trafficking circles. The craziest thing that she found on the web was that they were all open Luciferian Satan worshipers. It was literally on all of their websites. They were open, proud Satanists. It's, it's that side of it, it's the brazenness that, that it just gobsmacks me all the time when I think about it. That they're out here, do people look at that and just say, oh, they're just joking around. They're just messing with us. No, this is who they are. This is what they believe. They really believe that they get some sort of a spiritual high from sacrificing and eating children. They really believe that. That is their sacrament. And so 
this is the side of the story that Christians and people of goodwill really have to start wrapping their heads around. Hillary Clinton is a Satanist. End of story. And because of that, the level of deception that's been involved in her path to the presidency and her um, profile as an American woman and a so-called American innovator and this model for all of our young girls, you know, it's all layer after layer after layer of deception and fraud. So I have been one of the ones this past year who has been trying to get the word out on this subject. And now the video is about to drop. And you, those of you listening today, you have a decision to make. Once you've found out this information, are you going to just go ahead and accept it? Or are you going to say, eh, me feel uncomfortable, that's weird. No, not real. I'm just going to go on with my life. You have a decision to make. Are you going to walk in the truth? Or are you just going to move on with your life? This is Jenny Hatch. Thanks for tuning in. I hope I've given you lots to think about. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.